70 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am the improbably named Park Parkinson. Your host with me today is Diana McMullen. Hello. Today's minute starts with Cher, still at the mall, uh, leaving the mall, complaining about Ty in voiceover, uh, and goes through Ty impressing the kids, the cool kids at the lunch table about her her near-death experience, or NDE, as the cool kids no doubt say. That's not... (laughs) No, they don't. No. And, <laughs> it's okay. We'll no, not even... The cool kids in my X-Files loving <laughs> that I sat at alone would have said... Anything. I would have sat right next to you. I appreciate well, that. My soft spot in my heart for <laughs> David. And, oh, yeah. Why don't you love me? And <laughs> it's, uh, it's all 90s all the time at the cool kids table. Um, all the way there... We, we talked about the hair a little bit beforehand. Oh, we talked about... You noticed about... something I didn't see. Yeah, so so we ha- we actually rewound the scene and watched it together so that way we could absorb all of the fantastic <laughs> 90s elements. For two um... amazing golden images. <laughs> <laughs> um, so looking at um, a-, a pan, everybody's uh, sitting outside at the... well. They're sitting at the lunch area, which, of course, because it's California, is the outdoor lunch area. Everybody's sitting outside in the cool California sunshine, um, (laughs) and they do a pan over to the cool kids' table. And during this pan that we had to rewind a couple of times, we picked out the most majestic bowl haircut (laughs) that I have seen in a long time. I mean, it was blonde on top and a full-on shelf down to that dark hair underneath that was shaved very, quite recently. Yeah. Set off by the denim shirt. It was it was so 90s. I wish I could see the white high tops under the table. That shelf was like was like an inch to 2 inches deep. It could like, have cut me if I had been there. It was sharp. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thick hair and then literally yeah. a bowl. A bowl and then like shaved like back of the neck. Right. Like shaved. Yeah. Uh, just just enough hair for it to be Noticeable. dark and not seeing skin. Yeah. 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 That was impressive. I I wanted to pet it. <laughs> it would have been uh, soft. Once you pointed it out to me. Well conditioned, fluffy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and everybody, and then you get to the popular table and all of these fashion trends. I mean, it pants to the back of two girls, both of whom are wearing uh, short sleeve sweater, ve- short sleeve cropped sweater vests with long shirts underneath and skirts one of the skirts looks like a muppet was was sacrificed <laughs> gave its life for the skirt um and then it pans you know the, the girls kind of move to the side and that's when you see the shot with um ty and d and amber and um you know a, a couple of other random students there um you know and you can see that Ty is the center of attention. Um, this shot almost reminded me of, uh, and we've had like earlier when, you know, we've got sort of our, 
our entrance into the school. Mm-hmm. There was a shot kind of like this. This shot was almost like a super abbreviated uh, Goodfellas bar scene, <laughs> where because like the so the the kid with the with the extreme bowl cut mm-hmm. actually is pointing at something and happens and the camera follows his finger and that gets us to the cool kids table like we're we've sort of following Cher and seeing from her point of view as she makes her way through the you know briefly it's only like 30 seconds maybe not even not Not even even. like 15 um 15 seconds that, that go from her entering the sort of lunchroom area to getting to the cool kids table but it reminded me of that sort of like oh this is the world that we're in mm-hmm. and major reintroduction to this world and i think that really works because now Cher is the person who feels self-conscious and unsure of herself and is maybe not fitting in as well as she was or wants to or thought she would and yeah, so because, it's kind of like she's the she's the tie now, and tie is the share. Right. Yeah. The way the 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 scene is set up is that tie is definitely like the center of attention in that table. Um, you do get to see a nice '90s spread of what's on the table. Um, there's an open box of snack wells. Everybody has a bottle of water, which again nowadays doesn't seem like such a thing. But we were talking earlier. I mean, bottled water was not a thing back then and no we still made fun of people who drank people who drink bottled water all the time now we're still making fun of people who drank bottled water in the mid 90s yeah i mean the it's like the cell phones where it's (laughs) it doesn't seem funny now because like oh yeah because teenagers and cell phones it's a thing everybody knows about but at the time that was a oh look at those california people yeah not only do they have cell phones but those cell phones were exceptionally reasonably sized for the mid 90s like, right, yeah. Those are small. We've got them drinking bottled water, and this was a good pickup. This was your eagle eye that found this. The the one water oh, bottle this thing is so weird. Has um, it looked like it's wrapped in gold, and we, and <laughs> we we zoomed <laughs> in and we rewound and we, we studied it, and it looks like there is actually like a sling, like a harness that's attached to it, so you can carry the water bottle over your shoulder. And you're it in looks that... like a like a like an old like a like a circular. Uh, it looks like uh, a bridal wrought iron horse. lantern you would carry. Okay, like if you were Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> and you're walking through your house looking for ghosts, yeah, as uh, one does. Not the as you do reasonably so, Ebenezer Scrooge. Not the like little plate thing with a handle on it that you put a candle on mm-hmm. but like if you had like a candle like a like a like a little lantern like a wrought like iron cage like the one cage. that tinkerbell was stuck in that captain hook threw her in, in yes Peter Pan. yes like that but imagine instead of it being to put a candle inside it was made to fit tightly around a water bottle right now and then it had like a gold chain off of it <laughs> so you could i guess like hang it from your purse. neck yeah no you'd have you or, or yeah, or yeah like, like, like a satchel right okay, yeah right yeah so that is bazonkers that that is the weirdest. I have. N- I never saw that in the '90s. I don't see that now. Right. So we, this is something that's not popular now. And then you. And then you. Let's again rewind it. You know, twenty years. And now we're talking about people watching this movie who don't use water bottles and think, "Oh my God, who uses a water bottle?" And showing that people are so comfortable using water bottles that they have fashioned slings <laughs> to carry said water bottles around with them. This is like crazy weird opulence. Like this guy, I bet he has a pet giraffe. <laughs> Which he probably refers to as his camel leopard. Like this is 
weird opulence, like not even a thing that that I as a poor person would have wished for because it would have been like weird and pointless. Oh, next time I go to the zoo, I'm going to ask my kids if they want to go see the camel leopards. <laughs> I have, I am teaching my son to call them camel leopards. He's awesome. two. He doesn't know any better. You know? <laughs> He's going to go to school and they're going to, they're going to say giraffe. He's going to be like, do you mean that, that camel apart? Yeah. No, no that, now's the time to do it. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, but just, yeah, I never, I never saw it until we look at this minute closely and carefully. And it struck me as the weirdest thing ever. I'm assuming he got it at like, I don't know, I guess the store of opulence. He had his time, maid was make like it. Sacks, Who are you kidding? Or, like, yeah. it was custom built for said <laughs> It's his, it's his Prada because his, you know, his <laughs> uncle like does their books or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they custom made his water bottle holder. Yeah. The weirdest, weirdest thing. Never noticed it before. Other than the snack wheels container, though, it's not full of product plates, but they're just showing you, like, the sorts of things. Right. Like, there's a Diet Coke can, but you can't actually really, like, I can, I can tell what it is, but they're not, like, fronting it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, it's not product plates. No, he's picking it up and doing the the custom. Yeah, they're not drinking it. We're carefully showing the name. Yeah. Um. yeah. Ah, uh, t- two very strange things. Well, meanwhile, all this, while while these amazing visuals are happening, <laughs> what's going on in the movie is that um, you know Ty is is wowing the table. Um, you know, Amber and 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 other cool kids who are they're they're not kids. They're like thirty seven, but <laughs> but they but they're... are like. That dude with the earring and the widow's peak. Cher <laughs> uh, <laughs> tries to be like, well, you know, I was held at gunpoint once. And this guy's like, da, 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 da. I'm listening to the cool, the cool girl. Tell her. That's so experience. last week. Tell me about like, it. Seriously. Yeah. We all yeah. Know. We've all heard your story. Heard your story. Um, yeah. Cher, right from the beginning, you know, the voiceover before she gets here, Cher is already kind of disparaging Ty, she has begun to realize that, you know, she's not getting the same... She's made a monster who's, you know, better at being um, the popular girl, perhaps, than she is. Uh, or at least is capable of stealing that spotlight. I did notice, and... like, even in her voiceover, like, the, the voiceover she starts with is the first time that you hear a significant tonal difference. Like, all of her other voiceovers have been light and have had you know, light in both content and delivery. Um, and yeah, mostly. Yeah. This, this one is the first one where she says, um, you know, considering how clueless she was, Ty certainly had that damsel in distress act down. Um, yeah, she's like meanly critical. Yeah. It, it's her. Yeah. It's not only is it her words, but her tone is much flatter. It's much, um, much more like dismissive or frustrated. Um, you know, she's walking towards the table and um, Summer comes up to her and, and and says, is it true that some gang members like tried to shoot Ty in the mall? <laughs> and she was like, no. And Summer says, that's what everyone is saying. Um, you know, and Cher responds. Like, I don't think Whatever. Summer believes Cher. I yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you know, at this point, it's turned into as things do in high school that, you know, the rumor mill got a hold of it and it's, you know, transformed into a thousand different stories. Um, and what would have been a har- harrowing story in and of itself, uh, turned into 
just this larger than life um, situation where Ty is, you know, going on to lament, um, you know, right before you die. Let me tell you all about what's what happens. It's yeah. so intense. You see, you know, your life flash before your eyes. It's 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 you know what she says. It's a very intense spiritual thing. And it's like I, I can't even explain it to you. If you yeah, it's so beyond like your. That. If you haven't experienced it, how can you begin to understand it? And it's like, eh, really? <laughs> I mean, it was scary. What happened to you was scary. Yeah, but but I don't think you were intellectualizing it at the time. Like even I mean, right afterwards, you were just sort of you were fine. Like two minutes later, and, right, right. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, she does make the effort to like She's make everybody it. move down so that we shop. Cher can, like, sit She's in being her nice, place yeah. of, you know, where she used to sit, um, at the head, kind of the head of the table, um, as the way that the, the shot is framed. Um, but it's still, it used to be, like, D, Cher, and then Ty, so that Cher was centered, Cher was in the middle. And now it was D, Ty, and Cher. And it just kind of, it was very subtle, but it was enough to kind of show the power dynamics and show... You know, the way that everything was changing, kind of, um, both with Cher, Cher's confidence going down and Ty's confidence going up, um, and Cher's, you know, popularity possibly waning and Ty's, you know, popularity definitely increasing. Yeah, Ellen, she's, like I said, it's confidence. She has, you know, Mm -hmm. she has the confidence to embellish the story, to kind of write it up and, um... And and capture the audience she's got with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel uh, like too, like again, some of like what we were saying yesterday were some of the her previous confidence um, from her life before she came to the school um, starts coming out. Where you know, in the backstory that I have for Ty in my brain <laughs> is definitely like street smart. You know, she kind of a little bit scrappy. Would kind of do what she had to do to get things done. And, um, I feel like she's, again, pulling on that experience of her, of her previous experiences. Like she's self-aware enough to know that if I don't grab this and run with it now, it's not going to come along again. And that's exactly what she does. Yeah. When, to me, when, when they're, when they're doing Ty really well, when they're writing really well for Ty, um, because she's very good at playing bubbly, but not stupid. Right, and when they write her that way, she reminds me of um, of Liza from uh, Pygmalion, and then the movie uh, Pygmalion and My Fair Lady. There comes a point where Higgins is surprised to see not just how much that she's managed to um, to absorb, but how much she's understood, and mm-hmm. how she could do the same job he could do, and. It really just comes with, you know, Eliza has that confidence moment where she realizes that she doesn't need him. This is this is Ty's moment, too, where she's, you know, mm-hmm. realizing that she's go out on her own a little bit. I, I like that. I like the, I like the character and and it was fun to watch. It was it was also a little I admit a little fun to see like Cher kind of experience not like being on the outside a little bit mm-hmm. and she's not even really on the outside she's right. just she's, <laughs> she's just, just not the, the lead anymore right she's not the lead kid at the popular table anymore mm-hmm. she's like 
two or like one she's step like down from yeah. top. She, yeah, exactly. She's like what D has always been, but I think it is that that that's not where she usually is. So she's she's noticing the difference, and no, she's very you know, much she's getting shushed by someone who's referred to as just student. Not as, <laughs> you know, this character doesn't even have a name and he's no, pushing her he's, story. He's been in, um, like, the 11th grade for at least, you know, 12 years. So Yeah, yeah no, he definitely has his <laughs> license. I mean, he's probably teaching drivers at this point. You know, all these people. And Amber is at the table, too. And Amber and Cher have this, like, you know, complete rivalry relationship. And Amber's fawning all over Ty. And I feel like there's a dynamic there, too, where it's like, Amber is going on, tell me more, tell me more, tell me. You were think- what you were thinking about must have been really important. Um, I think she's totally, she's twisting the knife in Cher's exactly. back. Like exactly. Like, every, every egging on of Ty, she's like, Tell me more, new popular girl who is displacing my enemy. Right. But you were saying you were saying some of the how you like Cher and some of the differences a little bit between Cher for you and Emma for you. Yeah, I I do like Cher. I I feel like um, you know I know it's been discussed in some previous episodes here and and um, you know Jane Austen wrote the character Emma. She wrote her uh, to be. Not an exceptionally likable character. Um, And I feel like in Clueless, what's been done is with the character of Cher, you know, she still is manipulative, like Emma is. Um, And she still is working everybody to her end goal. Yeah, definitely. um, But I feel like Cher has more heart than Emma had. Um, and I feel like that comes across, you know, pretty, pretty soon after, you know, all of this stuff goes down, you know, Cher starts, she kind of, you know, gets, we're, we're at the point in the movie where Cher hits the skids, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the beginning. Yeah, It's starting this minute. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, the beginning of her, um, I guess self-realization, um, she goes through her her reflections before the change that that goes on at the end, and um, the fact that she has this period in the movie and goes through this and does make personal changes, um, and you know even before this when she's when she's trying to set Ty and Elton up, okay, she's setting Ty and Elton up because. It seems like it makes sense to her. Yeah. And, she, you know, and that's the only reason she's doing it. But it wasn't done, like, with malice towards anybody. It wasn't done for nefarious reasons. And also, just the settings of the book versus the movie, you know, she's not trying to marry Ty off to Elton like Emma is trying to marry Harriet off to Mr. Elton. Yeah, it's more it's, personal. It's about Ty's status. Right. In school and trying to get her a good status. Right. And a good boyfriend is just sort of part of that. And and a boyfriend is significantly less uh, permanent than the marriage. Yeah, the-, the lower stakes in here make a big difference in sort of making Cher seem not so... Like, her manipulations are not so extreme. They're not life-changing. The life stakes changing. are low. Right, yeah, right. yeah. The stakes are a lot lower, which makes her manipulations more forgivable, I guess. Yeah. Um, she had a moment there where it did seem like 
that it's clear to me that Cher enjoys being crafty, enjoys manipulating people. I think when she's at the party, like, uh, trying to orchestrate the whole Elton thing, um, before he hits on her, like, she is, that's, it's hard to watch. Like, as an adult watching, you're like, oh my god, stop. Like, this is pretty cringy. This is ridiculous. That, that, I think, is the cringiest scene for me. Um, but overall, I really feel like, okay, you know, her intentions are definitely not always pure, but there's a good heart behind it. And if she sees something, she tries to do something, you know, like she doesn't put, as soon as she realizes Christian's gay, she doesn't push it. That's the end. Okay. Let's move on. Um, you know, she's, she doesn't, she doesn't push. And if she sees an issue, she tries, she tries pretty quickly to do something about it. And I think that's a, so every, every interesting protagonist has a, they have to have a fatal flaw. I like them, but yeah, mm-hmm. there, there has to be like at least one or two, uh, primary cops. Like, well, I like them, but you know, it doesn't necessarily be a tragic flaw, but it has to be something that makes their character difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ego is, is often a thing. Mm-hmm. But I like them, but they're also kind of uh, manipulative and like sort of pulling strings is a little bit less common of a heroic protagonist character. Right. And, that, and I think that I, you're totally right. Like that's that's the heart of the conversation of, of not just how that's different from Emma, but how it is like what is what is what is Cher about? And what do you think about when you think about Cher? Like if someone were not going to like her, what would they pick to not like about her and how you defend that? Mm-hmm. And it's this, this is the, this is the push, push pull with her. And it's an interesting push pull, which does make her a cool character. Mm-hmm. I think overall, like I said, it's, it's, um, it's a good, it's a good plotty minute. It's a good meaty minute to, uh, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the beginning. This is the turn. Well, is there anything before we go? Anything you'd like to plug? Yep. Um, I would like to plug my podcast. It is a news and current events podcast comes out every other week. Um, it's called radio podcast. Um, you guys can find us at www.radio-podcast.net or soundcloud.com slash radio podcast. And I will say, uh, other than this, I don't do a whole uh, lot of noteworthy stuff on the internet, but if you haven't heard uh, previous uh, work from our podcast group where we talked about uh, The Boy Next Door as the cast next door or some uh, one-offs of the um, A Talking Cast podcast we did about the about A Talking Cat, I am, I am in there. You should check us out. It's, it's a fun minute-by-minute uh, minute journey. Well, Diana, thank you very much. Park, thank you for having me. <laughs> And join us all, uh, everybody listening, join us all tomorrow uh, for Minute 71. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of 
As If, the podcast all about Clueless. Produced and edited by Darren Huston. Executive produced and hosted by Park Parkinson. With my guests, Diana McMullen and Jackie Parkinson. Follow us on Facebook at As If The Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram, As If Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Shot Engine, or the podcasting app of your choice. Please write and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. Thank you.